Hello, and welcome back to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I hope you're ready for some introspective thought here because today's guest is coming in hot with some real info on how to get more of what you want out of life by busting down everyone else's expectations. I swear Jessica Pacia is my soul sister. She's a wife, mom, and pediatric nurse practitioner who spent years looking happy on the outside, but feeling overwhelmed, anxious, and resentful on the inside. And after all of those years of doing what everyone else told her to, she decided it was time to do what she calls the hard work and figure out what Jess wanted. Through that journey, she got to where she is today as an online coach and host of the Mom Guilt is BS podcast. Her purpose now is to guide other women down the path of removing their labels and pursuing a life that sets their soul on fire. And like I said, get ready because she brought that fire today. You're listening to the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Mae Chipchinski. It is my purpose in life to use the lessons I've learned from more than a decade of leadership experience in everything from business to politics to nonprofit and the military to help you become the leader you've always dreamed of having. Whether you lead a network marketing team, a Bible study, a global brand, or a family of four, Every week, I'm going to walk you through tangible ways to grow your influence and make your vision a reality. So if you're ready to drop the burnout and bullshit strategy you've been fed and design your own aligned leadership style, you're in the right place. Let's go. Jess, thank you so much for joining the show today. I'm really excited to have you here. Yes, me too. I'm so happy that you are having me on your show. I'm super excited to have this discussion with you. So why don't you go ahead and tell the audience a little bit more about you? Okay. So I am a wife. I'm a mom of two girls, ages 10 and six. That can be definitely chaotic. If you have kids out there, you understand. Um, I'm also a pediatric nurse practitioner full-time. I've done that now for going on almost 15 years. And then recently, so about a year and a half ago, I started a my business, a coaching business um, that focuses on empowering women. Um, I tend to navigate towards or have more of a focus on moms just because that's what obviously I can relate to and I'm passionate about. And then about coming up on a year ago, I also started a podcast of my own uh, called Mom Guilt is BS with Jess. So that's kind of a little rundown of my life in in a little small scope, but yeah. Yeah. And I, I love everything about you and I especially love the podcast because that has to be one of the most like just honest and authentic podcast names. Like if I didn't already know about it and I was scrolling on my podcast app, I'd be like, oh, mom guilt is BS. Yes. Download, listen, every single episode because it's so true. And I love listening to you. And that, that authenticity 
that you have, which I know is something that we wanted to talk about today. So why don't we start there and tell me with the shift from, I guess, not necessarily a shift, right? Because you do both, but your wife and mom life and your medical life and your business life, how do you find it in you to be authentic across the board in everything, right? Because I know as well as you do, you need to wear very different hats in those different situations. So how do you make it so that it's all you? Yeah, that's a really a tough um, question, but I don't, I have to say, I don't think I was always that way. I think the reason I'm doing this and the reason you feel that now, which thank you, by the way, for saying those lovely words, but the reason you feel that now is because of the journey I went through to get there. I think I was not 100% authentic to myself in the beginning with my life decisions, my career. I mean, yes, I wanted to do the things that I'm doing, but I don't think I assessed in detail. Was I doing those things authentically true to myself? Absolutely not. I wasn't. I hit a period where I was very unhappy despite achieving all of these things. And so it was the it was at a time when I would say it was probably my lowest about, I don't know, six going on seven years ago that I was very unhappy despite this outside image of I, you know, was married and I had my first child. I was having my second actually. And I had the career I wanted and all of these things. But on the, when you looked at a microscopic level, when I sat down and asked myself, I was actually very unhappy. And so I did the work. It was at that moment that I decided what is happening? Like I've given so much. I was just doing all of these things for everybody else. And I, I'm not happy. I never stopped and said, well, what, what makes me really happy? What am I doing just for me? And that's when I realized like the whole thing I talk about all the time is these expectations and how we don't live an authentic life because we're trying to fit this mold. And I started doing the work and breaking down kind of where do I fall into that trap or where did I fall into that trap and what can I push or change and I'm going to own it. And I'll tell you at first, it's kind of scary and people are shocked. My husband was like, what the hell's going on? Because I'm like starting to say, you are going to do these things now. Like, why is the wife or the mom have to do X, Y, and Z? Why isn't it 50-50? You know, I started pushing back a little bit and I'll tell you through that was where I gained like my true authentic, like authentic self and joy and power and feeling free and not caring really what anybody else thought. So I know that's a long answer, but I'd have to say I'm not, I wasn't always that way. And now I feel like for the most part across the board, I am what you see and hear like now. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have like, was there some moment or some event or something that happened where you were just like, holy shit. I forgot that I was a damn person. Yeah. Yeah. So it was around that time I was kind of describing my like round. I was about to have my second child and we just, my marriage was awful. We went, we hit a spot where again, I was, I had just, um, I was a nurse practitioner. I was working crazy hours. I was doing like 24 hours. I was on call, had this pregnant with the second one. And I felt like my husband, like I was almost again, living up to this expectation of what is a wife 
And it was, I take the salon. He still had his life. He's going out with friends. He's doing his thing. And I was not going to question, right? Because I don't want to be the wife that's like not fun. Or I don't know how, how your group of friends, but we grew up with a group of friends that were like still really close. And so it was like feeding into this expectation that, well, that's just what, you know, guys do and moms stay home and, you know, we don't go out with our friends. And so it started in this like kind of low spot where I just, my marriage was not in a good spot. And I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing? And that's when I thought, okay, this is the lowest of lows. Like it's not, it's either going to end or I need to figure out what's going on. And when I started evaluating, that's when I started realizing that it was like, I was, I allowed that to happen. Like I, I mean, it wasn't my fault, all of it, but sort of because I was allowing myself to become that expectation of, yeah, you can go out with your friends and I'll just stay home with the kid. No, why? Like, why are we not asking the questions and why aren't we getting the same, you know, life? Why are, why is it the mom has to do all of those things? So that's where I think I realized I was really unhappy and that I was going to make a change. And that's when I started doing the work. Yeah. I think that's pretty common with women our age because that's what we saw growing up. Right. But then even now, like talking to like as a millennial, talking to Gen X parents or like those borderline Gen X baby boomer parents, my mom I'm sure would complain about similar things. Mm -hmm. So she was doing it because her mom did it because her mom did it because her mom did it. And I think it's so interesting that it's taken us to finally start to break that down and to kind of go, what the, nobody wants this. None of us want this. Why are we going along with it? And why, and you, it makes sense why women then, kind of reach this point of a lost identity or unhappiness because think like we're allowing everybody else around us to do what they want and and we're actually providing it for them right we're we're like catering to it and then we lose ourselves every time we give in to that and not own ourselves with a goal of our own or a life outside the house of our own like that's where we started to you know, lose, or at least I started to lose my identity. And I'm a person that thrives on, you know, outside connections and, you know, always going for something new. And so I think it hit me hard. And also, again, that my marriage wasn't working. So that was, I think, a very low point, especially because I was working in my mind so hard, you know, like it was like, wait a second, I did all the things right. How am I doing all the things right? And it's still, I'm, really unhappy. And yeah, it, it is an interesting thing. And and I think it was also in that moment that I realized I could probably ask every single one of my friends and colleagues and they'd all be like, me too, me too. And that was almost more devastating to me when I came to that realization that, wow, we really need to start making some changes here. And when we when I started like kind of implementing the things in my own house, it was interesting that I even felt kind of nervous, like, well, I wonder what people will think. Like my husband, Chad, well, he's going to, he's going to do those things too. They're going to be like, wait, what? And I'm going to, yeah, he is. He's going to do 50% of everything I do. And guess what? Now it's like, it's like, 
it's not like I'm pushing him. He should be doing that. He's a dad, you know, like, and and it works and, it, and we're so much happier because of it, but it definitely took that me being in a very, was there pushback from him at the beginning? Oh, yes, of course. Of course, queen. You know, there was, he was like, what is that? Tell me how you navigated that. I think because I was in such a low spot that I think he knew like it was a make or break for me. Um, but I think I knew deep down that this was more than like whether his feelings got hurt. Like this was a, this for me was like, I'm not living this life. Like I'm, I'm going to be happy. And if I worked my ass off for all of this stuff, why don't I deserve that? Just like he's working his ass off for his career, right? Like we're all doing these things. And I think it should only be fair that we all are living a life with purpose to a degree. We obviously have to all give into our family, but we should each have our own individual path of like something that makes us happy outside of our family. And I just felt passionate enough that, oh yeah, he, I mean, he would push back because I mean, he wasn't used to it, right? He was like, yeah. what's happening? We're like, oh, Friday night, I'm going out with the girls. And then Saturday you could do your thing. Like, I mean, it was a definite change, but it, once we got into it, it got more familiar. And you know what it did is when he had to start doing the things, hello, he was like, oh my gosh, this is what you do. I mean, it opened his eyes, right? Like he had not done all the things before. So then he appreciated me more. I mean, he was like, oh my gosh. Right. And he was only doing half right. of it and you had been doing right. <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. So I think it was a lesson on both ends because I don't think he ever realized because he didn't, I never made him do it. So it was like, he appreciates me now. He gets it. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, how did you do it all? A study published in December revealed that 23% of people give up on their New Year's resolutions within a week of making them on January 1st. By January 19th, that number climbs to half, and by the end of the month, 68%. At the end of June, just halfway through the year, only 4% are still striving toward those same New Year's goals. Any of that sound perhaps a little too familiar? Believe me, I get it. Been there, done that, but not this year. Not for me, and not for you either. So what's the secret? You've got to get your mind right. Now I know I claim to be a fluff-free coach, and I promise you that is still true because there is nothing fluffy about getting your mindset straight in order to hit a goal. On Thursday, January 20th, I'm actually hosting a free workshop to help you trade in your, oh, I don't know if I can do this belief system for one that guarantees success in your business. To register, go ahead and click the link in the show notes. This is 30 minutes you won't want to miss if you've got big plans in 2022. And now let's get back to the show. Now, since you started doing this, you talk about your, you know, your group of friends and stuff. Have you noticed Mm -hmm. that they have started pushing back on their husbands and that it's, it's caused a bigger impact or a ripple effect? Yep. All of them. And it was also interesting that starting with, so our group's a little bit like we are like most of Chad's friends, they grew up together, but from like our hometown. So they're really close knit, but almost every single one has had a change and it's all been for the good. Like 
all the wives has pretty much done what I've done. And I'll tell you, even everybody's relationship has grown because of it. Yeah. And that's why I do what I do because I'm like, I know this could help every single woman out there. Like just knowing how to navigate where you need to work on and, you know, whether it's 50-50 and, you know, kind of how to look for what you really want to do in your life, what goals you want to take and are you living a life of purpose or are you just living a life to fit, you know, this perfect wife, mom model that is absolutely never obtainable? Mm-hmm. Never. Have you ever asked your husband or asked your kids, like asked your husband, what to you is a good wife or asked your kids, what to you is a good mom? I haven't asked. I don't think I've asked my husband, but I've asked my kids. And of course it's like funny stuff. Like, you know, I I talk about this actually. I think I might've even recorded my kids saying their answers at one point, but it's always, and I, and I do believe in this. It's always like, quality time versus quantity of time with kids. I express that a lot when I coach moms. It's like, we have this, again, this expectation that we have to be with our kids 24 seven, or they're going to feel like we're the worst mom in the world. Right. But when you actually think about your own childhood memories, you don't ever sit there. I mean, I think my, our parents, well, I think I'm older than you, but my mom was a great mom, but she was not with us 24-7. That that woman was like doing things like, I don't know, she was in the kitchen or she was, I don't even know what she was doing. But the moment she sat down and like played a board game with us, I can remember those moments or like when my parents spent quality time. So I always, my kids are always like, oh, you're a great mom when you play like charades or you, you know, watch a movie with us. And so I think that rings true. You know, if you ask your children, I think it's quality time and not, you don't have to be with them 24 seven. Yeah. I had a, and the reason I asked, I had a mentor ask me that same question once. And she was like, you know, I was stressed out about this and that. And the next thing, trying to be Mm -hmm. a good wife and what I had in my mind as a good wife, because before this stage of my life, I was a stay-at-home army wife. I mean, we traveled all over the US. We moved around a lot. And I had my network marketing business, but for the most part, like I I was a stay-at-home wife and then I was a stay-at-home wife/dog mom. And I had in my mind this image of what a good wife was. Mm-hmm. And when I asked my husband the question like, you know, what how how would you define what do I have to do to be a good wife? He was like seriously just like we could order pizza and have a beer on the couch and watch the ball game. And I was like, wait a minute. So you don't require three course meals every day in a spotless house. Right. Yeah. And it was just this asking the question shifted Mm -hmm. what I started to do. And I mean, I don't think Oliver's old enough to comprehend the question yet. Cause if I asked him right now, he'd probably be like, I like it when you make two noises, (laughs) right? Because we're, we're three years old and a little boy and that's where we're at in life. Of course. No, but I love that. I love that you asked because it's true. And that's one thing that I think is half the battle. You know, I had said my lowest point, it was the realization that I did that to myself. I, I had this expectation and then I lived by it. Nobody was holding a gun to my head. It was these expectations. And what you're saying is this view of what I believed was a good wife and a good mom. Where does that belief come from? That's the ultimate question. And it's, 
from every everything around us, I think. So it's like challenging those. No. So these are obviously like old habits or mm-hmm. just old ways of thinking that we have, that we all have. So with you and with anybody who's listening that wants to like combat similar things, mm-hmm. I'm sure you didn't just wake up one day and go, guess what, honey? I'll load the dishwasher, but you're unloading it, right? It wasn't like, you wash, I'll dry. So how did, like, what did the rollout of this plan look like? So I don't think I really had a plan when I first started. (laughs) You know, I think, (laughs) but what I, I tell or I coach, like kind of initial steps that I give is the first one's the most important. And I actually, I think I have a podcast named this, but you know how when you're on an airplane and they tell you like, put your oxygen mask on first before helping others. Mm-hmm. It's like, I tell people, you need to put your oxygen mask on first. Step one, meaning like take the time of what kind of what we're describing of sitting down with yourself and checking in. So when we're living this life or when I was living this life of an expectational driven life where I was, okay, now I graduated. Now I'm going to get my like, you know, nursing degree. Now I'm going to get my master's and I'm married and the kids is like head down, task, task, box checked off. I never stopped and asked, yeah, you can have a plan and you can follow a career path, but there's a lot that goes into that. Like I never asked like, oh, do you like this part of it? Are you happy with this? Or are you just saying yes, because that fits the plan, right? Like when I married my husband, you know, we didn't have a child for a year or so. I could have sat down and evaluated, like, am I liking how this is going? I never did any of that because I was on this like driven plan. So checking in and asking yourself and being honest, like, how are things going? Am I happy? Is this where I want to be? And and doing that, I think, is where I then, and that's what I did when I hit my low, was I asked myself these questions and I broke it down, kind of, am I happy in my marriage? Am I happy in my career? And being honest. So that would be the first step. And then the second is evaluating, you know, where you fall victim of comparing yourself. So comparing yourself to others is the number one thing we do that is what causes this expectational living. So do you compare yourself to others on social media? Do you compare yourself to your best friends, your neighbors? Because I think it's such a powerful thing to to realize, because then you can kind of hone in on, well, if I'm doing that, am I actually doing the things because of that or because it serves me? And so I tell people we need when to go further with that step is to write down, and this gets a little deep. You got to be, you got to be willing to, you know, swallow a hard pill sometimes, but I tell my clients to list out what are some of your biggest accomplishments in your life. And this could be You know, back in high school, you won, I don't know, state championship of something. And then you got this honor and then you went to college and then you got married and you had your first, whatever these little big moments were. And then ask yourself with those big moments, was this driven because it was something that lit your soul on fire and you chose that? Or was it a result of an expectation by a family member, a peer, societal, whatever it may be. And 
I promise you it's shocking sometimes when I did this. So that's what I did. I hate to admit, but probably 80% of the things I wrote down were influenced by an expectation, not by what I truly like, who I am and, and what I would have chosen maybe at that time. And so that's when I then tell people to hone in on where are the big items that you feel like, no, that was exact. That was totally somebody else's. Like my parents wanted me to be a lawyer, for example, or whatever it is. And I, and I feel like those areas are where you're the most unhappy. And so I tell people, that's where you start. That's, that's where you need to focus your attention. And that's kind of what I did. So my biggest area was this idea of who, what a wife was and this expectation of getting married and then having to act a certain way. And it's where I was the most unhappy. So I honed in on that and I just started making small little goals of how I was going to change that, that process. One was we're going to have 50, 50 on, you know, outside activities outside the house, you know, whether it's once a month, it's going to be even and just kind of like slowly implementing like small things. And then it's like, you're going to pack, you know, now it's like, you're packing the kids lunches because I'm doing whatever. And it's, it's just now a more easy flow kind of thing, but. Yeah. So I think the biggest things when you're starting this process, obviously, obviously there's a lot to play into it, like our own personal habits and mindsets. But one is sitting down with yourself, stopping and actually evaluating who you are and then questioning the comparison and where, up to this point, what has influenced, what expectations have influenced big you know, decisions in your life? Because I think there's a lot of resentment with that. Mm hmm. I think too, that once you do that and you evaluate the past, you can keep that as a tool in your toolkit before you make the next big decision, Exactly. right? Before you go for your master's or you, before you go get your PhD or have another kid, mm -hmm. you can ask yourself, is this what I want? Mm -hmm. Or is this what mom wants? Or is this what, exactly. is this what society expects of mm -hmm. me? Or is this what the, the head of my department yep. thinks that I should mm -hmm. do. And that can stop mm -hmm. you in your track from making some crap decisions. That's, that's it. You got it. That's 100% it. And it's crazy. That's all it takes is this authentic owning yourself, owning who you are and loving yourself and just honoring it. That's all it is. And you just start doing that. Once you get in the habit of it, you start owning and saying, eh, it doesn't really line up with what I want. Not doing it. Not today. Yeah, not today. <laughs> not today, queen. And yeah, and then you just kind of, you know, you become that person. And I'll tell you, it's contagious in it. And you can tell when a person is living that way versus a person who isn't. Now I, now I recognize it in others because you see how different they are. They are them through and through, you know, and you can tell the joy they, they truly have, you know, versus somebody who's trying so hard and I, and now I can see myself in them like they're trying so hard they look exhausted because they're just trying to keep up with this expectation that is never going to be reachable mm. yeah I love that I love it so much if you could leave the listeners with one last piece of advice for living their most authentic life in 2022 and moving forward I know big ask right mm. <laughs> this is a good one um, like one, the biggest thing they could do, that's tough. I think 
when we think of authenticity, so this whole idea of authenticity and what that is. So people often ask me, they get confused. Like, well, what do you mean to be authentic? Like, I don't know what that means. Like, how do I know what my authentic life is? And I always say this, and whether you're religious, not religious, doesn't matter. But I believe that we're all put on this earth for one reason and like a purpose, right? To live out whatever that may be. And so I think the biggest goal everybody should take away from all of this discussion is finding out what lights your soul on fire. I always say this. If you, you know, listen to me on my podcast, I'm always like, what lights your soul on fire? Regardless of how you're living expectations or not, if you know what lights your soul on fire and you guys, this could be the craziest thing. It could be like, I want to now go ride horses. I don't know, write a book, whatever the hell it may be. If that lights your soul on fire, Queen, go do that. Like that is what you should do. And it's going to be scary because you're going to be like, oh, people are going to judge me. But I think if you're not living a life that is run by that, you know, it might be the craziest, most absurd idea, then I don't think you're living. And so I, I challenge all my clients to pick that thing that lights their soul on fire. And we have, I've had candle makers, I've had all kinds of things and I love it. And you know what? They're so happy now because they, at least they're doing something that lights their soul on fire. So I would say if you take anything away from this whole conversation is find what lights your soul on fire and do it. Take this. Last question for yeah. you. What lights your soul on fire? Ooh, I, this. Like I love reaching people and empowering people. Like that's what I do as a nurse practitioner, except for little ones, because I love the pediatric uh, population, but I also love reaching my peers. I think if I can change one person's attitude or day, I'm good. That's amazing. And you're amazing. Oh, thank you. So are you. Well, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. I know that we are going to hear great things from you in the future. So when, when, because I know they will, everybody wants to get a hold of you, where can they find you? So I live on Instagram and it's just at Jess Capacia. Um, that's honestly where mostly like where I hang out. Um, you, I also have a website. It's just momguiltisbs.com. And yeah, at Facebook, it's just Capacia Coaching, but I'm not really, I mean, I'm not really on there that much. Yeah. Well, I will link it all in the show notes. And again, Jess, thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, thanks for having me. I love this. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Beyond Leadership Podcast. I sincerely hope that you got something out of today that you are going to be able to take and use on your journey to wherever it is you're going. If you liked what you heard today, be sure to subscribe and share your takeaways on social media. Don't forget to tag me at Sarah May Ski on Instagram. While you're waiting for the next episode, please check out our exclusive Beyond Leadership community over on Facebook to connect with more like-minded and like-hearted individuals dedicated to learning, leading, and encouraging right alongside you every day. 
Until next time, let's go.